What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops, everything NBA all the time. Steve, Jake, and myself. Still the NBA Finals, guys. We got some. We got some other news going on too. I don't know. I, I gotta ask this right off the bat because I think it's it's probably partially just me still being bitter. But is, does it not feel like the NBA Finals are going on to you guys too, or is it is is it just me being out of it? No, it, it's not just you. I think that the presentation has been abysmal. To like you know make this feel like the NBA Finals, it feels like you're just watching a regular season game. Obviously, the first one, the first game wasn't you couldn't even that couldn't even feel like an NBA Finals game because that was over mm-hmm. from the tip essentially. The second game felt like a Finals game to everyone who watched it. But I think you're right, Donnie. With you know, obviously we have a two days in between each game, so that's kind of tough to keep the hype going. And I, I, I love, I love basketball. I love both these teams. I don't really have a strong rooting interest. I like both teams. I like both superstars. I've talked about it, but we don't. Re- it doesn't really feel like in between these games that it, it, we are in the middle of the NBA Finals. And I think yeah. that partly comes into you know the type of the markets there in the team. You got Denver and you got Miami, which is you know a bigger one. But this isn't really what you know the NBA script writers would have loved to write where you don't have, you know, that super, super star that they love. I know Jokic is, and I'm not saying he's not. He's the best player in the NBA right now. But a lot of casual fans, I'm not calling all of them out, but a lot of them didn't really watch much of Jokic. They just kind of see Jokic's box scores. They're like, oh, this guy's kind of good. So it's nice for people who are really into the NBA to, you know, get a good look at two teams that have been incredible. These playoffs have been a lot of fun to watch. But I think you're right. It comes down to the presentation, comes down to the marketing aspect of it, where it really doesn't feel like the NBA Finals to a lot of fans. However, for the people who've been watching basketball from October till now, it's nice to watch these teams, two teams go to war because I think we were talking about it. Game two was one of those game, first games, you know, that we felt like these playoffs were like, that's a finals game. That was right. a battle. That was a war. But I think outside of the games, I think you could make a very, uh, you know, strong argument that it doesn't really feel like a finals. Also to ESPN. Also too. What is this? What is this like bottom score line here? What's this presentation like? It's first off, it's a disgrace that we don't get the boys on TNT for every game before yeah, this. But secondly, so ESPN, you got to do better. You got to do better with the presentation, man. You have to do better. This is the NBA Finals, and they're treating it like they're playing on a random Thursday night. I think I think me and Jake have talked about this every year since we've had the podcast. Like, where is the the trophy logo on the court? Can we can we bring that back, please? Where's the like? Make your finals feel like a big deal. Like, where's yeah. the pageantry? Like, you should yeah. like, have a parade to the arena. Like, why don't why don't we have a red carpet yes. before the show? Like, you they should. I would rather have it be obnoxious and treat these guys like they're showing yes. up to the Oscars for every game than for it to exactly what you said, feel like a Thursday night in January, Nuggets heat at 10 o'clock and 700,000 people are watching. The it, the simplest thing, how do you, the scoreboard. Oh, the crazy thing. Started. I just like, I'm the, it, it, that's what took me out of it feeling like the finals, to be honest, Donnie, the first thing you said, I was like, yeah, the fucking scoreboard doesn't look any different. That, it's like, the same as the regular season. Even the, I yeah. thought the gold scoreboard was pretty stupid, thought it was pretty ugly. At least yeah. you knew, like, At least oh, they this were is doing the NBA something. finals right. scoreboard. Yeah. And you know what the NFL does? They when they host the Super Bowl, 
they change to a new scoreboard that they keep mm-hmm. for those years to do it. Why not just make it debut a new one? At least do something yeah. new. Don't just yes. do what you've done all year. It, it was it's terrible. Like I don't I don't know how that got through. And then they went back with it with game two. Like you didn't he see the criticism and decide that you should change anything? No, it's just the little uh YouTube TV logo that pops up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane, man. We'll 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 have more NBA finals talking in just a little bit here. We we want to get the criticism out of the way first. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll break down more of the gameplay in a little bit. We're gonna do news and notes first, starting with Steve. Steve had to remind me here, but this, the Phoenix Suns do have a new head coach, and his boy. name is Frank Vogel, NBA champion Frank Vogel, back in the NBA. It seems like he was. Seems like he was being shunned for a couple of years there after he won the Lakers a championship. Didn't really get any jobs after that. Um, and now here he is, with the Phoenix Suns, tasked to get Chris Paul a ring, as we were talking about before we got on here. So, sure. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, KD, you have your head coach, and he is Frank Vogel. Uh, Jake, we'll start, start with you. What did you mm-hmm. think about this move? I know, I know you – you probably like Vogel. He, you watched him help LeBron get a ring, or you watched him be a part of LeBron and AD's ring in the bubble. What are your thoughts here? I think it's uh, – I'm so the thing, I'm a listener, listener of Bill Simmons, and he was a couple weeks ago was basically like – who was it? Kevin Young was the other guy that was being mentioned a lot. He was the assistant coach. Yeah. He said Kevin Young's going to be the Suns head coach. Like that's a scoop. You could take that. And Bill doesn't usually say a lot of things like that. So I just kind of like ran with that. Hadn't heard any other news. So then seeing the Vogel news and then Simmons even comments on it, he's like legitimate shock. They changed it. Wanted a more proven guy. Vogel's the most proven guy really on the market out there. Like you said, recently won a championship. Probably still should be the Lakers coach. Just not how the Lakers and LeBron move really like that. And so Darvin Ham's in there and they had good success this year. So I guess, I mean, at least eventually. So it all worked out, but this is a situation that, I mean, is it more talent? Like, is it a better situation with the top tier talent? Would you rather walk into, I mean, you have LeBron, which is a different scenario a couple of years ago, LeBron and AD, but Booker and KD looking at the West this year, do you think Frank and the moves that they can make, I guess the first thing they really have to address is the Aiton issue with whatever's going to happen with him this summer. But the rosters, I feel like he did a really good job with that team and top-tier talent. This team was well-positioned this year. He should be able to do the same thing, and they should be a top-three seed in the West next year. Um, And and really the biggest thing he's going to be able to help improve is their defense, which is what he was really helpful with in L.A. They had a very strong defense anchored by AD there. What do you think, Steve? You're a big Frank Vogel guy. so I mean, people forget that that Lakers team missed the playoffs. Then they bring Frank Vogel in, and they win the NBA championship. That is true. Uh, and, you know, say what you want about the bubble. It's still an NBA championship, and I have been one to never discount anyone who's won a championship in the bubble before because, you know, it's an impressive feat. It's just like winning an NBA title. But the, but the big thing here is that – I've always believed in Frank Vogel. I like Frank Vogel as a coach. thought he got a kind of raw end of the deal in Indiana when things really weren't kind of working out, and it's a really tough spot there. We know how the Lakers go and how coaches go with LeBron. It's just, you know, when he likes you, he likes you. And when he doesn't, he doesn't, and you're out. And Frank Vogel can, you know, kind of be a fall guy there. Is he a generational head coach? Is he going to change the whole culture landscape of Phoenix? Probably not. 
But the thing is that he's got an established team. He's won a championship with an established team before. Like that, I said, and, and it is a fact, they did miss the playoffs the previous season. They were kind of under you know, underperforming, and then they win it. And I know it's a bubble year. I know there's a bunch of other stuff that was going on. But still took a team and won a title. Yes, he had LeBron and AD. That helps a little bit. But guess what? He's got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. So he's going to an established team. He's going to a team who's made runs before. And I think it's smart. I think if you're Phoenix, I think that's the way you go. And I think with teams where the window's closing and where you have a veteran team that's established, that's made runs, you want to go for a guy who has experience, other a newer head coach and whatnot. And I think Vogel might be the right move. He's probably not going to be the coach in Phoenix for long. If it works out really well, maybe. But I could see this as maybe, you know, a couple year experiment here where you just bring an established guy maybe kind of you know warm the seat for someone else but you have good players already and it's just changed things up and like you said the biggest thing i think against vogel is he's, he's been a very you know very solid defensive minded coach throughout his you know time in the nba that's what phoenix struggled with mightily and you saw that in the nuggets series didn't matter how many points they were scoring they couldn't stop anyone on denver so i kind of like the move it's an established veteran you know, I'm a Frank Vogel fan, meme or no meme. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I'm with you, Steve. And I, th I think it's it's definitely the right move personnel-wise. I think you were touching on that a little bit. But we were talking about last week how we thought the, you know, the the move with the Bucks going with the 15-year assistant um, and, and kind of a, a younger guy who doesn't have much head coaching experience, but a guy that the players within the system like. I don't think that applies for Phoenix because you do have all these guys who are towards the end of their career or mm -hmm. not all these guys, but, you know, particularly Kevin Durant and Chris Paul emphasis on Chris Paul and then mm -hmm. Devin Booker, who's been there for a while. And, you know, clearly something wasn't right with Monty Williams, but you bring in a guy who's coached a bunch of teams, a bunch of different stars. And like you said, he's defensive minded. So you could, it almost just like it reads well. Like Frank Vogel fits with this team. I think they went the right direction instead of going young or trying to reinvent the wheel with, uh, you know, the assistant coach or someone who's never had the experience before. I think this was the right move for Phoenix. I also like to remind people that because I saw this on Twitter, you know, obviously whatever happened in L.A., whether it was LeBron's choice or not, Vogel was out the door. And I, th I think people see that as a negative or like a smear on Frank Vogel's coaching career. Like he still got them there. He he yeah. he won the championship with them. Whether or not they wanted to bring him back, yeah, that that didn't happen. But let's not forget how successful he was with those Paul George teams in Indiana as well. I mean, like he yeah. he coached those guys up. He he made a star out of Roy Hibbert, and we haven't heard of him in in years. But he was one of the best centers in the league when he was under Frank Vogel. Um, so I, I think he kind of gets a, a, a bad rep, honestly, and it's a little bit because he just walked away from that Lakers team after the championship. But yeah, I, I like the move by Phoenix. I think, um, you know, maybe it's not an eye opening move and it doesn't catch many headlines. I honestly forgot to put it in the news and notes. It's Frank Vogel. He's kind of a boring guy, but hell of a coach. So I, I like the move. <laughs> I think that's the long time <laughs> talked about Frank Vogel before. So there we go, guys. Kind <laughs> of a boring guy, but a great coach. He's such a that's, great That's Frank Vogel, man. Frank Vogel. Like if someone, Vogel, baby. If someone oh said that God. to me when I had my eyes closed, I think I would just draw Frank Vogel. Uh. <laughs> uh, let, let's stay in the coaching news here. 
we'll, we'll just do the, the coaching news and then we have some Team USA stuff, which is always fun. And then the, the, the big news. Um, but, yes, Steven Silas joins Monty Williams in Detroit. Um, so there, there's, there's rumors about where Silas was going to go. Honestly, a lot of rumors that he was going to come to the Boston Celtics here. That was more so before the season had ended. He's, you know, hanging around a lot, meeting a lot with Brad Stevens. Um, he must have liked the opportunity better to join uh, Monty Williams in Detroit. But, I mean, this is kind of small scale, just assistant coach. I, just, I thought it was interesting because, you know, we saw Silas lose the Houston job. Then he was rumored to be, go a bunch of places. And here he lands on Jake's favorite team, the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. <laughs> hey, I'll he move for a bag. Yeah, Monty oh, Williams got paper. What is it? Five years, seventy-two million. I think is what the deal was. That's like, yeah, I can't do math Sorry. that quick. That's just a lot. It's more than ten million a year. That's for sure. Which is a crazy amount for a head coach. That's my limit. That's like my litmus. Like in my brain right now, like a coach making more than ten million a year is like, why is that happening for any sport? So just seeing that sticker shock for Monty Williams, um, a guy that, as we were just talking about in Phoenix, kind of got unceremoniously fired by the new owner who came in and clearly wanted to uh, change the direction and just th figured that would be the start of it. So who knows? Monty did it. Obviously, they went to the finals. They were a good team last year. Maybe this is what he's built for perfectly is molding a young team. And obviously – Detroit gave him a large investment. He's going to get hopefully time with this group to grow and every, and that's what they're hoping for here. I don't know if he's that guy, but we'll see, I, I guess. Yeah. that That's kind of where I'm at, man. Like I, I think Monty's a great coach. Um, and we don't really know much after that. Like, obviously he, you know, he got the Phoenix group there. He seemed well liked the first couple of years and then who the hell knows what happens this past year. He yeah. seemed to lose the locker room a bit. Obviously him and DeAndre Ayton didn't see eye to eye at all. And you mentioned it, Jake paying a head coach like that type of money in that many years in any sport is a little bizarre, let alone to coach a team that is filled with question marks as well. Like, yes, this is one of the more exciting groups. They have crazy young talent all across their roster. But also, they just have one of the worst records in the NBA. Not proven at all. Cade's already been injured once in his very young career. And we were thinking maybe they'd have the first or second pick. They dropped all the way down to the fifth pick in, in what we think is kind of a weaker draft class here this year. Yep. So I mean, I mean a top-heavy class, right? Especially right. when you come in dead last, you're expecting – we got to at least be in the top three. And I yeah. think if you're in the top three, and I know I know Brandon Miller has his baggage. I get it. I get it. Brandon Miller, not a good guy. Not a good guy. But Wemby and Scoot, you're looking at those top three, and you're like, those are one of the guys. Like, that's who we got to get in that top three. And then for Pistons fans, you fall out of the top five. You got a bunch of guys who have potential, right? You have – look at the roster. After, after Cade, after Ivy, you know, your young core – a lot of guys that have potential but just haven't got there, they've shown flashes, right? You're talking about guys like James Wiseman who came there in the second half of the year. guy like Marvin Bagley, Alec Burks, I believe, is on the roster. You got Bogdanovich mm -hmm. who I don't want to say Bogdanovich is going to have untapped potential, but he's a guy every now and then scores 30 points. Every, every yeah. now and then just scores 30 points. 
So it's um it's a different situation for Monty Williams than uh than previously in Phoenix. The only thing I can think of is when he was sitting in Phoenix and I got the shirt on. He probably had a nice cup of coffee with Sean McVay, and the team's like, all right, he's connected to the Sean McVay coaching tree. Let's pay him everything we got. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. I think I think for him, you know, I don't I can't make too much sense of it from the Pistons point of view other than one of the better co- I mean, obviously there's a ton of good coaches available this offseason. They went out, got their guy. He's done good things in recent years. The way I see it for him is he's probably like, "Hey, I started to lose this locker room. I was dealing with a lot of egos in Phoenix. I was dealing with Chris Paul who probably thought he knew the game better than I do." And then he gets to go here. He has Jalen Durand, who is one of the youngest players in the league. I think he is very the youngest good player too. in the league. Very, very good. Very good he talked here. about everyone Great else 2K investment. Team. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's probably just a bunch of guys that Monty feels like, you know, he can actually get a hold of this locker room and, and grow with these guys. I mean, he signed a long deal. I, I think it makes more sense for Monty to want to go to Detroit than for Detroit to pay Monty all this money, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. Uh, I'm intrigued by it. Um, I, I still think Detroit's one of the biggest question marks, but they're also in that same breath. It, it, it could be very fun in Detroit. And I, I, think I so hope too. not for Jake's you know who the You know who the most interesting free agent signing would be is if Draymond Green returns home to Michigan, and that's who I've like seen, I've seen the leader of – yeah, I've seen that. that I think we've probably wild. seen the same thing. And that would make a lot of – that would be – if Monty is the guy and it's and it's with the idea that Monty has communicated with Draymond is like let's go like build something here and maybe Draymond is like down to want to go back home and just mm-hmm. do something like that outside. He's probably not going to end up in Golden – I think he's gone from Golden State at this point. I, I really don't see – I just don't see a path of – Unless they're going to have yeah, that I don't, I don't that crazy – the tax bill is just going to be so crazy for Golden State next year that yeah. I, I don't know. But, but if there, that's a really – like I feel like that makes a lot of sense for both Draymond and for the Pistons. That, and for him like to just be in that role would be really interesting. Yeah, it would. Um, that, that, I think that would be crazy. Maybe we get a, a whole new era of bad boys in Detroit if Draymond goes <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, that would be some <laughs> – Yeah. That team, oh, oh, yeah. You know how much Cavs fans would hate Draymond Green if oh. he turned if if he went from Warriors. How to could the they Pistons? hate him more than they do That's now? The they only find way. a way. That's the they only find way. a way. Especially if the Pistons became good mm-hmm. too, like Cade stayed healthy and the Pistons right. were a good team with Draymond just kind of as oh. that threat, as that leader. Oh, well, Cavs I will fans say, would have bounties on his head. <laughs> I will say, uh, the biggest thing I didn't like about this news is that I know that I will send you guys a text at some point next year about a Pistons Cavs game where I'm like, JB is getting ran circles around by Monty Williams tonight. That will happen. That will happen. Cause it happens to every JB. It doesn't happen to very many coaches that JB doesn't get run circles around. Monty will do it. Yeah. That would be bad. That'd be tough. Let's hope you don't have to send that text, Jake. Uh, one last coaching news. I just I did just downplay the assistant coaches uh, signing, so I won't spend much time on oh this. Boy. But Sam Cassell, new assistant coach of the Boston Celtics. The only reason I think it's relevant is because they literally don't have assistant coaches right, right now <laughs> because they, they were already shorthanded mm-hmm. going into Missoula being the, the head coach. And then they, they lost the head coach to college basketball or they lost an assistant coach to college basketball. 
And then right as the, their season ended, three guys up and left and are joining Ime Doka's staff in Houston. So signing Sam Cassell, championship experience, which Brad said he wanted more NBA experience on his bench, goes out, gets Sam Cassell, and now the rumor mill is jumping all around of potential names and Rondo's in the mix, and I'm, I, I cannot contain my excitement for that. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'm excited that Brad's doing Wasn't what Sam he Cassell rumored – wasn't he rumored as a head coaching candidate when Ime got hired too? Correct. Yeah. Not yeah. so. Okay. Not not when Ime left, but before Ime got hired. Yeah. At, like during the Brad Ime transition, Sam was a, a candidate. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and that's like, it's a guy that clearly they liked for the role then. So why not bring him in and be a part of the staff? We knew that they needed a guy with that kind of pedigree, with or that they were going to look for a guy like that. So it's a good start to have a full bet. You know what might help the Celtics next year? A full bench of coaches, which they the first year head coach did not have, that's, which is, I just feel like yeah. is a crazy underrated storyline. Like the, the whole year, like not oh having God, your full so staff is like, I just couldn't even imagine. And like, not even for the result of the, the season, just, just for how much workload Missoula got just shit life. on. Yeah, yeah. Just life in yeah. general, like work-life balance for those guys <laughs> was probably insane this year. They were just put in a tough spot. So I hope that they get a full staff, which I'm sure the Celtics organization would have no problem filling out, yeah, but sure. they got snuck attack last year. So, yeah. And uh, the last thing I'll say here, my, my big galaxy brain for, for this situation is we bring in Rondo, which would just be awesome. We, we know he's one of the best basketball minds out there. And then even bigger galaxy brain, Doc Rivers returns as an assistant coach <laughs> to reverse the curse. So he, he can stop losing as a head coach, comes back to Boston, takes a backseat, which I don't think he would ever do, especially no. because he can get big no money. Chance. He can get big money I don't elsewhere know. The, in the NBA. The musical chairs is running out for Doc right now. Doc will go to Shanghai before he becomes an assistant coach in the NBA. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. That that's me wishful thinking. That's my galaxy brain. Um, don't think Rondo Rondo before. though would be awesome. Well, yeah, that's like yeah, a Rondo's rumor. Reasonable. Yeah, that's really that good. would be awesome. Um, yeah, that would. I think that would be fantastic for 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 many reasons. But we'll we'll let that play out. I'll let and and Brad we trust. Um, I trust Brad Stevens will make the right moves, and we'll see. Do you guys want to do team Team USA or the 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 new supervillain team first? <laughs> Superhero. I, yeah, well, what do you mean? You know, you talk. I, that's I, the I Avengers for earlier. Well, they'd be villains to me. Yeah, oh, they would be villains to 29 teams in the NBA, Tony. That okay. is what this would do. But Kyrie, in yeah. we'll the most Kyrie fashion, is uh, trying to recruit his uh, former buddy LeBron to play with him again. And knowing Kyrie, I just – first off, first off, Kyrie trying to recruit LeBron to Dallas. And we've seen rumors that, oh, Draymond won't be a good fit in Dallas. Draymond wants to play with LeBron. So I think we uh, used it as as LaPost today, the custom-made picture where you got Luca, Kyrie, LeBron, and Draymond. Work of art. All in, Mavs, all in Mavs jerseys now as an unbiased NBA fan and as a Luca supporter. I would love Luca to get a little bit of help. But I got a – I've got a – I got a – I got a – yeah, a little bit of help. <laughs> but I got a few questions. First off, like what, what in the – world where are the maps to try to 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 offer to even to even get lebron where's the money coming from secondly and third like how many times and this how many times have we heard 
Oh, Ky- Kyrie wants to play with LeBron. Oh, Ky- Kyrie wants to play with LeBron here. Oh, Kyrie doesn't want – like, LeBron wants to play with Kyrie, and then just nothing happens. It's just one of those things that I'm not going to believe until it happens. Kyrie can say, I want LeBron to play with as much. I still think – I still think – you want to talk galaxy brain, Donnie. I still think LeBron might just sit out this year. LeBron oh. just might sit out this year and play with Bronny next year. He's gonna watch. He's gonna watch his. We're gonna watch his kid play at USC. Have a nice, relaxing time. Figure out which team he wants to go to, and he probably won't. He'll probably stay on the Lakers and play like thirty-five games out of the eighty. You know, have a few rest days. <laughs> happens to be when USC's. Got, oh, the ankle sprains you know, are gonna be. Ha- happens to happens to have some ankle sprains, some fatigue, yeah, some headaches when USC sprain. has some pretty good games that night. But I think the big thing for LeBron is he wants to play with Bronny when Bronny comes to the league, you know, in, in, a, in a year. Sure. And I really do believe that. And maybe not sit out the entire year, but I think LeBron doesn't really want to have a year where he's going all in. He wants to go to a team. So I think that's kind of where it feels stretched, where LeBron moves to a new team this year, especially a team like the Mavs, where it is so yeah. – question marks of what this future is going to be. We've heard everything this offseason to the Mavs. Oh, not even just this offseason, this whole season. Oh, the Mavs want to try to get a couple more superstars to play with Luka, form a super team to, or can the Mavs even keep Luka? Is is Cuban running out of options? Do they have to trade Luka to try to rebuild their future, which they've basically burnt down? The Mavs previous deals haven't worked out in their favor, so it it just feels like a classic, you know, Kyrie, calling up his buddy being like, hey, do you want to play basketball? And LeBron's sending him the voicemail. That's how it feels to me right now. But I think that's also partly because I don't believe that LeBron would switch a team maybe just for a year to try to get another, you know, little super team built. Because I truly believe that LeBron is envisioning in a year he's going to be playing with his son. I really do. And I don't think he's going to want to screw anything up that'll screw any, screw that up, honestly. Here's what, here's what I think happened here, Steve. No oh boy. <laughs> because there was a report two days before this even came out that the Lakers said they had no interest in pursuing Kyrie Irving, according to Johan Buva, who is a great reporter from the Athletic, covers the Lakers. No interest. So two days later, we then get a very convenient report from Shams, who we know Shams' source of Kyrie Irving is literally texting Kyrie Irving in his phone and saying, hey, do you want to say something like Shams has literally <laughs> had like statement from source yeah. close to Kyrie Irving all season long. Like we know that there's a connection there. It's just, Kyrie's I think number. LeBron <laughs> and Kyrie want to team up prefer. And the, really the only way they can do it is in Los Angeles. And so when the Lakers come out through Buha and say, we're not going after Kyrie. It's a, it, they're saying that to LeBron. Like, we're not pursuing Kyrie. Don't try this. So then Kyrie and LeBron got together and we're like, well, Kyrie, why don't you just say that you want me to come to Dallas? Like, I'm a, I'm a free agent in a year. Like, just show them that we're serious. Like, we want to team up no matter what. It's, it's LeBron putting – in a way, it's LeBron and Kyrie putting pressure on both these organizations to try to figure it out to get it together. And I think LeBron's role and just – the fact that the Lakers said two days ago, we're not pursuing Kyrie. And then he says, well, I want to team up with Braun, though. It, it's just very calculated. And I think this LeBron Kyrie back and forth is going to be a narrative that extends all the, especially once the finals ends, is going to be one of the dominating oh, the only free agency storylines. Yeah. Because it'll be the I, Brooklyn Nets. LeBron oh, wants Kyrie in Los Angeles, season. is what I think. And I think Kyrie wouldn't mind going to Los Angeles. 
but the Lakers don't really want him. And he wouldn't mind staying in Dallas either, probably as a backup plan. And he's trying to like thread that needle. And we know, know Kyrie isn't good at this. He's not good at doing this. He tried no. to do it last summer and it no, didn't work. T- might be the worst. Him, he's doing it again. Like this is this is this is last yeah. summer. Just put LeBron on a different team. Like them trying to get together. You know what? It's the same shit. Kyrie is literally lighting the King James symbol in the sky for LeBron. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is like, like yes. Batman. He yeah. he's lighting the King James symbol like the Batman symbol in the sky and just saying what whatever city I can light this off in, I'll meet I'll meet you at. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't know if the Mavs want Kyrie, bro. That's the thing. I, I Who mean, knows? I, I don't we think they do it, after man. the way the second half of the season went. I'll tell you that. The Mavs, and, and I know they got a little bit, you know, slap on the wrist and really care treatment for this, but you could clearly tell the Mavs, you know, the way that the year ended when they fell from the four seat to out of the playoffs and didn't even play Luka and Kyrie because they were like, we're just would rather have a chance at getting a lottery pick than trying to make the playoffs in a play-in game, yeah, which is absurd to me. But, you know, I get it. And they did get the 10th overall pick. They did keep the pick. But, man, dude. Kind of crazy that worked like that for them. It did work out. It did work out for him, but also too, it's just like when you trade for a superstar type player midway at the deadline, and you're the four seed and you fall out of the playoffs, it's tough to have everybody on board saying, Let's bring this guy back. They got a lot, you know, besides just the fact that it's Kyrie and Kyrie's got, you know, his, you know, two million pounds of baggage with him. Besides that. It's tough for the Mavs. They have internal pressure of what are we doing here? We have a, you know, potential generational type star in Luka Doncic who we had a home run on in the draft. We haven't figured out anybody how we can, you know, put guys around him. Christian Wood didn't work out. The Porzingis deal clearly didn't work out for him. Now you have the Kyrie one blow up in their face. They're running out of options and the clock's ticking where if you – if you run out of enough options, you're going to have to get rid of Luca and do a complete overhaul rebuild. So you're right, Donnie. They they probably there's a probably a lot of people thinking, do we even want to bring Kyrie back? Because well, clearly we had a, a 30 plus game sample size and it did not work. Right, and they might not want to, and I I I strongly believe that they don't want to, but they probably have to. Right, because you just mentioned the the haul they just traded for him, and now he's an unrestricted free agent. So they probably don't want him, but they're going to have to do everything in their power to sign him just to have the value of Kyrie Irving back on their team. Because as of right now, he's technically not even mattered. He could he could walk at any moment. Um, so it, it's it's really interesting. Do I think? All those do I think Draymond, LeBron, Kyrie, and Luca all end up together on the Mavs? No, but do I think there's some combination of LeBron, Kyrie, or LeBron, Draymond, or LeBron, Kyrie, and Draymond playing together? Yeah, or Draymond just going to Dallas, and it's Kyrie, Draymond, and Luka. I could see that. I don't think all of them together, but I think those all, – all four of the guys that we're talking about right now you know, outside of maybe Jalen Brown will be the, the most talked about stars this offseason, I would guess. I do think Draymond would be a nice fit in Dallas because that's the type of defensive guy they need. That's For the sure. type of kind of, you know, guy in the locker room they need to get everybody He's going to have a huge market, bro. We, yeah, we I think, can say I think what we will. want I really Draymond. do. He's going to have a huge market. 
Absolutely. But what the Mavs need to do, they just need to have Mark Cuban and Sharp tape episode with Kyrie Irving and just try to figure it out. Try to try to work a deal that way. Because I, I don't know what else this team's going to do. We'll see, man. We, we have a lengthy offseason, I'm sure. I Actually, I know we will come back to this team and this group of guys. Oh, yeah. Um, before we ju- hop into previewing game three and discussing game two, the, the team the, – People are starting to throw their name out there for Team USA, which is always a fun time of year. You know, you, you don't you don't have the NBA anymore. The finals are about to come to a close. And then you get to see these guys that, you know, you start to fall in love with during the regular season. A lot of the guys are young. And then you get to watch them on a different stage, and it's fun. And I know me and Steve, Jake, I'm sure as well, are excited about Mikel Bridges. I think he's, he's probably – a player I'm most excited for on Team USA. And then I'll just go down the list for you guys. Uh, Austin Reeves, Bobby Portis, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Brandon Ingram, and Jaron Jackson Jr. I believe there's four spots to be filled uh, on Team USA, so we'll see who those last four guys are. But, I mean, you got to be excited with this group. How dominant they will be, I don't know, but – some of the youngest, most talented players in the league are on this squad and uh, going to be exciting to watch at the very least. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see guys like this, you know, get their chance in the in the shining moment. Um, I think we have a couple, and I know they've kind of already broken out a little bit this year where people recognize them. Obviously, the move to the next really helped Jalen Brunson jump out there where people are like, wow, this guy is really good. But a couple other names, I mean, you got Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is one of the most unappreciated stars in the NBA, in my yep. opinion. I think he's fantastic when he's healthy. And then Tyrese Halliburton, which is finally starting to get love after this year, too. But he's in Indiana. Indiana's kind of a tough market to really break out. This is a chance for these two guys to really, you know, show the world that these guys are pretty much going to become superstars in this league. We know we kind of had that for Mikael Bridges when he got traded from Phoenix to Brooklyn as well. But, you know, it's, it's a nice group of guys. And then, you know, say what you want about Bobby Portis, you know, be it on a Team USA roster. Bobby Portis has been a great guy off the bench for Milwaukee all year, yeah. so. It, it, it's a bunch of names. You know, if you're watching basketball every night, like we are, you recognize these names. But like I said, to the common fan, they don't really, you don't know how, the talent of what a lot of these guys can bring. So it's nice to give them, you know, their moment too. Yeah. I think Anthony Edwards too. Definitely. I think he's becoming a household name at this point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think a nice little, a nice little way for him to showcase himself as an individual because the way Minnesota's looking and the way they kind of messed up their future for that Gobert trade, who knows how long he's going to stay there. Yeah. Who knows how long that nucleus of him, Cat, and Gobert is going to be together. So I think this is is pretty important for Ant uh, as well. I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to seeing Anthony Edwards play uh, in a Team USA uniform. Any, uh, any more thoughts on the Team USA before we get into the good stuff? No, nah, it's, it's going to be a fun squad. Right, what's the good stuff? WNBA? NBA Finals. <laughs> yes, we, we will end the episode with a, with a little WNBA from Steve. But before we get to that, the Heat have done what no one else could do these playoffs. LeBron and AD couldn't do it. KD and Booker couldn't do it. They took down the Denver Nuggets in Denver. The Nuggets finally lost a home game. The series is tied at one. 
Game three is tomorrow. If you're listening live, this is Tuesday. Game three is Wednesday. And it it's it was shocking to me. That's that's all I can yeah. say. I, I you know the Heat threw the first punch, Nuggets responded, and then I was like, oh, it's over. The, the Nuggets yep. are going to go up 2-0. And then that Duncan Robinson missed the fourth quarter, and then it all spiraled from there, bro. And I think the craziest part is you know we talked about it and we said this this you know, we feel like the Nuggets should win this and maybe a sweep or five, but this is probably going to go six or seven, just the way the Heat have been. Everyone's been doubting the Heat the whole playoffs run, and they're proving us wrong. But, guys, we have not gotten an A game from Jimmy Butler in the finals yet. The game one, game one was not great. Game one was not great. Game two, a little bit better. He did come alive in the fourth quarter, but still not great. And it's the Heat role players again. Now, first, I will say Bam has had an exceptional start to the NBA Finals compared to how the playoffs have been formed normally. But once again, it's these Heat role guys. You talk about, you know, these role guys, you know they're going to be inconsistent. You know they're going to be up and down. And I know Dunny hates hearing this because they were just lights out for basically seven games against the Celtics. But you have a guy like Max Struess, who was 0 for 10 from the field, in game one and comes back and he was the leading scorer about halfway through the game in game two. Max Drews was making everything. Gabe Vincent has been incredible. You you just have guys like this at the Miami Heat where it's just you think they're going to fall apart. And like you said, Dunny, and it's funny too with Duncan Robinson, we were talking about him in my like group chat with my buddies. We're like, he, where is he today? We, he's played like five minutes in the first half. He's just running around. He's running track out there. And one of my buddies had, I think he had some parlay and he needed Duncan Robinson to get over eight and a half points for it to hit. He's like, this is dead. Everything I else was looking all good. This is dead. All in the fourth quarter, about the first four minutes of the fourth yeah. quarter. And it's just, it feels like every single game, you can't cu- count the heat out. Because even if Jimmy Butler's not at his best, even when Bam's struggling, they just find this next man up, this guy to just step up. And I got to give the Heat credit because they've done this in pretty much every series. And they were probably the first team, I think, to do it against the Nuggets where the Heat were up big and then the Nuggets went on that run. That run where they're not missing anything and it's like they're going to run you out of their gym. It's just going to happen. And the Heat battled back once again. And it's just... I don't, I don't know what to say, I, but it was the one game, game two, really felt like a finals game. It felt like one of the best playoff well, games of the entire playoffs. But all credit goes to the Heat, where you stole a game in Denver, which looked virtually impossible. This is a brand new series now because, you know, Miami's got a pretty good home court advantage themselves. And you stole a game where your best player and the guy who's basically carried your team to the playoffs these past four years really not having an A game. And it's scary because we know, and I know you're dealing with an injury, Jake. I know Jimmy Butler hasn't been 100%, but we know Jimmy's got it in him. We know it doesn't matter. Jimmy's still got it in him to have one of those classic Jimmy Butler takeover games. You didn't get that. In either game in Denver, and if you told me, if you showed me Jimmy's shooting numbers, his stats, you showed me, you know, had just had me watch just Jimmy Butler in the first two games, I'm like, Denver's up 2-0 in probably two blowouts. But the Miami Heat, man, they just have these guys that step up and got a whole new series now. They shot 49% from three in that game to win. <laughs> they shot their games against Boston. I know they shot, I think, 51% one of those wins. And maybe the first game. I don't remember what it was, the high 40s or low 50s. I know they did it against Milwaukee, one of those games, too, because I remember 
seeing it against Milwaukee and being like, well, shit, Miami's going to do that. Of course they're going to win again because the, the shooting for this year, Miami, like during the season, it was everybody kind of had down years compared to their standard. And this is like them regressing back to their mean at the absolute right time. And like you said, never would have expected it without Jimmy, just the way the fight, like what you, the way the Nuggets, that's just a credit to how good the Nuggets have been too. Like the Nuggets have just been so dominant that you're like, man, yes. they really, you really need like the superstars clicking and things to go right. And they had Bam cooking. He's like you said, he's been playing awesome. The shooting and the players like, it's just incredible that these guys are able to step up and just knock down these shots like this in that environment. It, it's, I don't know how it doesn't go seven, honestly, at this point, I think I'm back with you now, Steve, we're at six, because I don't think that if it gets to a game six, either of these teams, if either, if it gets to a game six and one of these teams is down facing elimination, I don't see how either of them is going to lose. I feel like both of these teams are so well tested, so battle tested and just like, so well coached and everything that they're going to be able to battle back and get out of that situation. And we're going to end up in a game seven because they just seemed that like, like you said, this felt like the first real finals game where it was back and forth and, and it got, we're going to have that same exact chess match game three, Wednesday night again, like, and it, it's going to be a pull, push and pull. And I just don't see how one, if Miami's down three, two at home, they're not, they're not letting them. I just don't see how they're going to lose that game. Like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like this is going seven the way that these two teams have kind of, opened up the series and shaped or sized each other up right now. Yeah, it's for me, it literally just comes down to these undrafted guys and the unlikely heroes for the heat. And if they can just do what they've been doing for three series for <laughs> two more games, I'd say, because you know, Jimmy's going to come alive at one point. Jimmy's been pedestrian at best. And not to say he didn't hit big shots last game because he did mm-hmm. also just a quick side note. I noticed this the other night. Jimmy Butler hits the most fuck you shots out of anyone in the whole NBA. Oh, like, man. he'll, he'll like, have Jokic 15, 15 feet away from the basket draped all over him, and he just fades away. And, like, you know it's going in when it leaves yep. his hands. Like, he loves hitting the impossible shots. And that he was the thing. A fourth quarter, like, Jimmy didn't have a good game. And then the fourth quarter, he just made the shots he had to right. make. Shot clock winding down, I think, on what, two or three of them? A couple of yep. them, yeah. And and that's when Jimmy – and that's what we're saying. That's a bad game from Jimmy Butler yep. in the playoffs yeah. because he really was pedestrian in the first three quarters of that game. That fourth quarter was something different, though, like just from the heat in general. Like, And that's yes. why – that's what I – that's what fuels that theory about the game six and everything because they just – they were like, we need this fourth quarter. We are going – like, and they have 28 points with, like, four minutes left or whatever in the quarter. And you're like, holy shit. Like this game, also, was like I thought this was going to be a classic battle. My, like Miami is just in control now. It was just so crazy. It was like three minutes. I think three minutes in was the Duncan, the Duncan uh, layup when they went up two and yeah. they called the timeout and everything. And at that moment, you're like, what the, what am I, like, how did Duncan Robinson just like boss up and he's going to the, the crowd and they're yeah. up Duncan two is attacking the like, rim. What, the what is this? Yeah, off like a pump fake blow by. Yeah. That's when you know the heat are feeling like, themselves. What? They're like, what the fuck? Like, what yeah. are you doing here? What are you going to say, Donnie? Um, no, I was just going to say we, we were ragging on the NBA Finals earlier. I will say the fourth quarter of game two felt the most like the NBA Finals, yeah. I think, out of any of the yes. quarters in both the games. So maybe that's hope um, from a fan's perspective. It did, you know, obviously ended in a three-point game. 
the Nuggets still had their shot. I think that's the encouraging thing if you're Denver, right? They still had their shot, even though they blew a huge opportunity. And then Jimmy Butler, we keep saying it, and I feel like I'm going to jinx it, but he hasn't been playing that great. Like, the Nuggets have to feel at least good about their job they're doing on Jimmy. And like I said, if they can just contain these undrafted, these, you know, unlikely hero guys for the Miami Heat, they'll be all right because Michael Porter Jr. shot horrible last game. Terrible. He was non-existent. And he's supposed to be the third fiddle on this team. And then Jamal Murray, he shot okay from the field, but three of eight from three point. Like, that's unlike him in these playoffs. He's been lights out too. So you're not getting that shooting and production from two of your top three guys. Obviously, you know, Jokic destroys the box score with 41 points. But, um, uh, you know, we've seen it before. Jokic can't do it by himself. Right. So – yeah, this, you know, this series, what we all thought was going to be, you know, five, maybe a sweep after game one, it, it gets that much more interesting. And it's, and it, there's just all these different storylines that you, you wouldn't expect from looking at this matchup on paper. But, but here we are, Duncan Robinson's world that we're just living in. It. Apparently. And, and another thing, too, like on the other side of the, of the ball, the Nuggets just had some really bad fouls in game two as well. I think they had a couple fouls at three KCP, pointers. KCP, bro. Rest defender, KCP, what are you doing? Keep <laughs> landing on guys shooting threes. He did that a few times oh in, in God, game two. Yes. Stuff like that. And I, and I think we that. talked about this, too, where we were saying foul trouble could hurt the Heat, where if Bam gets in foul trouble, who are you going to play? And apparently right now, and I, I'm not going to rant. But apparently Spolstra's answer is let's play Cody Zeller some minutes against Jokic. That should never be the answer. That should never be the answer. I'd rather play four on five than throw Cody Zeller on the court. But regardless, you know, the foul trouble kind of went the other way where it wasn't even like guys were getting in foul trouble for Denver. They were just committing really bad fouls. A lot of fouls where Miami was late in the shot clock. Like we said, Gunny, KCP jumped into three guys shooting threes yesterday. I mean, what are you doing? And just some just really bad, timely fouls where that's just not like the Nuggets. And it feels like you can't do that, especially with a team like the Heat, where they can just they can just start going off like that. And in the fourth quarter, that's all they had. They just stopped missing shots. The Heat made their first, what, eight of nine field goals or something ridiculous to start the fourth quarter. It's just, if you're the Nuggets, you got to be a little bit disappointed too because Jokic had a great game. But I think that was the Miami game plan. They started to go into a zone a little bit, but they would kind of guard Jokic as soon as he got the ball front. And they were said, you know what? Score 40 on us. We don't care. We're going to make it tough for everyone else to get open looks. And if you're looking towards game three, I think one guy who's kind of been decent this, you know, final so far, the people I'm talking about, Aaron Gordon has a pretty nice mismatch right now in the Miami Heat. I think they got to get him involved. It's amazing, bro. I think Aaron Gordon's got to get involved a little bit more. I think he's been the second best player right now in these first two games for the Nuggets. In an even broader sense, I know Denver loves to play fast and and playing Mm -hmm. slow would play into Miami's hands, but they have such a size advantage everywhere that they should just put, like, it really should just be grinded out like Denver yeah, could win the these block. games 99 to 87 because they're not gonna yes. be able to stop Jokic and Gordon all night or these or they're just gonna rack up fouls and be going to the line the whole time like I know they want to play fast but if you like you were talking about Donnie if Porter and Murray start shooting like shit in the first half just go to the block you have yeah. the best center of mate like in our of our generation like if you need to slow the game down and just let him work from the low post. Like sometimes you just got to do that shit. Sometimes you play the hits. It I, get yeah. that. 
I Game get that. one it's too, just, right? It was yeah, working. It's just sometimes I think tough take to change up the style your team's been playing with, especially how successful it's been for the Nuggets. Because you know the same we said the oh, same thing sure. about all these series. They're like, oh, do they really want to run with this team? Run with this team? Run with this team? Their defense is going to be great. Their defense has been great these playoffs, and they're still running. They're still they're still playing fast through the offense. And I, I think you're right. Like you you should slow it down a little bit. But I also think with the Denver Nuggets, you got to stay true to what's gotten you here this far. Play your game. Play your game, and and I really do believe. I know you have the size mismatch, but we talked about it too. The Miami Heat have basically been smaller than every team they face so far, and they've adjusted to it, and they've out-physical them. They want it more, and I know this is their toughest test yet with the size, but I think the Nuggets just got to stick to their style. I I really do. I truly believe – I've watched enough Nuggets games this year where they have a deep enough roster. They have a good enough team around Jokic. The shots are going to fall. MPJ is not going to play the way he's playing. And the Heat aren't, are not going to shoot 49% every night. And if they do, they fucking deserve And if they do, they deserve to win the NBA Finals. If they are going to do this for three more games in the Finals and shoot 50% from three, they deserve to win the Finals. But I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. I think Malone will have a better adjustment. And, and then we'll see, like... We'll see. Like that's the thing is Malone and Spolstra. It's gonna be. It's gonna start now that we've seen each other for two games. I'm very interested to see how they kind of attack each other and try to take away a. See how the Nuggets try to get Porter and Murray loose because they're not worried about Jokic. Then because the the Heat are gonna let Jokic score. Like that was that's what they said. They're like we'll we'll do whatever we need to these other guys, and what the Nuggets are gonna try to do to their shooters because they couldn't get in their face at all. Have we heard? Or they anything? fouled and stepped on people. Have we heard anything about Tyler Hero game three? Out is, for game is, three. He is. He's confirmed out now. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think he comes back in all this series? If I would. I I think if the Heat would have lost game two, maybe that maybe they would have rushed it back game three. If the Heat win game three, why would you bring it back game? Four, yeah. Right. I think even if they lose and. Of course, this is Eric Spolster's team that I'm talking about. Literally, the last person that I should be trying to <laughs> figure yeah, out his yeah, scheme. Right. Like, I think I think he knows a lot better than I do. But I don't know if I would at all, man. Like, yeah. think about how out of their mind some of these guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and Caleb Martin up until these last two games have been. And like, they weren't doing that before when Tyler Hero was playing. At least not to this degree. So I'm with you, yeah, Steve. Maybe if they do take a bad L in Game Three at home, they think mm-hmm. about bringing them get back Game Four. But like, what what value? Like, we don't even know what type of value you're going to get from Tyler Hero. Right. Well, this I mean, is we a don't hand know how, injury. Yeah, we don't know score who who's right. a shooter, and True. we we don't know what that looks like. And it's just tough. It's it's almost like the Celtics going with Brogdon in Game Seven. Now, I don't yeah. think it's to the same degree. But they put Brogdon in in the first half after he sat out game six and we won. He airballed his first shot. He couldn't do anything with the ball. And then they didn't play in the second half, and it was already too late at that point. So, obviously different situations, but I don't know if you bring him back at all. Yeah, I think it also could be too. Like, I I don't know how healthy he is. I don't think anyone's really going to know besides the Miami Heat for that. But it also feels like it too. Like if these guys are still cooking the way they are cooking, they're role players, maybe just have Hero come off the bench a little bit. If you really want to play him, play him like 10, 15 minutes off the bench and see how he is in a game situation. See if this guy gets hot. I wouldn't, you know, throw him right back into the fire. But 
I also say this too, and I know you guys disagree a little bit on this, but Tyler Hero makes your team better. He makes the Miami oh, yeah. team better. And whether you know he's playing a starting lineup like he has this year and playing 36, 38 minutes, being the number two option right after Jimmy Butler, or if he's just coming off the bench for 10 minutes, getting some shots up. And another guy too, which we don't talk about a little bit, he can he can handle the ball a little bit. And I know it's an injury. We don't know how it's going to affect him. But he's another guy, too, you can kind of run the offense through a little bit now. We've seen it in the regular season. Didn't really get to see it in the playoffs, obviously, because of the injury. I would have loved to see it because I think he really did take a step in the regular season. But if he's good to go, I, you at least got to give him a little bit of a run, I think. I personally believe like he makes the Heat team better, and I know their role play has been going great. But I really do – I don't think – and the way Spolstra works, even though they did win game two, I think if Hero was able to go and play, he would play. He would play game three. Yeah. I don't I don't think Spolstra would be like, oh, I'm just going to keep him off the court because it's going to switch up. stuff. I don't think that's how he would operate. I've – I have two reasons why I kind of want them to play hero. One is his his fits on the sideline, his outfits on the sideline have been absolute garbage, bro. I don't know I don't know who's dressed in Tyler Hero if it's himself, but I, I would like to see him just in a game uniform opposed to what he's been wearing. And number two, this is Salty Donny coming out if you couldn't tell. Uh, I don't want to hear if the Miami Heat end up losing and Tyler Hero doesn't play a game. I don't want to hear from the Heat fans that, oh, it would have been different if Tyler Hero played. If they lose, yeah, no, it wouldn't have been. No, it's but a successful season for the Heat either way. I'm with you, I, Steve, though. You're right. If if he's healthy enough and he's cleared fully, I think if you're Spo, you gotta you gotta try something, right? Yeah. The At one thing one is the one going. thing is also his confidence level in coming back from an injury with that he might not be fully confident game uh, level for the game four of the NBA finals. That I don't think heroes, a guy you have to worry about for confidence. I would be, there's a lot of NBA listen, players. Man, Tyler hero on a good night, on a good night, fully healthy has come out and went over nine and thrown up some of the ugliest shots I've seen. No, but I know that happened. So I, but he see, keeps shooting. I don't I, think I, I don't know. I could see not, I could, if I could see a guy not wanting to come back seven <laughs> weeks after an injury into a finals game and be like, Hey, you got to come produce, or we want you to produce something. That's a lot I, to ask of a guy. I get that. But I just, the way Tyler hero carries himself, the way you've kind of seen him in, in the past too. I don't think that's a concern for Tyler hero. I don't think Tyler hero is a guy who would shy away from the mall and be like, Oh, I'm not ready. This, the spotlight's too bright for me. I'm not I, saying the spotlight's is, too bright. I'm saying like, no, we're just not like if you're 90% and your hand and you, because of that, you have two more turnovers and you lose by four. Like that's going to live with him for a longer time than rather coming back too early and messing up what this team has been able to do for seven weeks. I think that's a real thing he's weighing at at the moment. That's fair. I just don't think Tyler Hero – I think mentally he's more on the Jimmy Butler side of where he's like – And that's my problem with Tyler Hero. Yeah, you're not you're not Jimmy Butler, but I get it. Like, I just feel like that's how he is mentally, where I don't think Hero, if if Spolster says you're playing 15 minutes, I bet Hero tries to get 12 shots up in those 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. that's that's how I feel. Hero's on the other end of the spectrum for that. Do you guys know what the odds and the uh, the betting like tickets are on right now? Do you know what the odds for game three or the series? Game three, just game three. I don't. I bet a lot of people are on the heat because they're probably home dogs, right? Did what? What? Slight guess the guess dog? the line. What do you? What's, what's the line? I'm guessing. Three. I was gonna say Nuggets minus two and a half. 
Dunny, you're right on. Yep, minus two and a half. And it's only, it's 51% of the money on Denver. It's right down the middle. Wow. So this is like the most, this is one of the most down the middle bets I've seen all playoffs because that line two and a half for a finals game is like, that's pretty, pretty split. Like, you're going to get, you want, that's, that's about you're getting as close a little as you can get on a floor. Yeah. The heater getting it's basically like Nuggets are favored by one or two on a neutral yeah. neutral court essentially. Yeah, yeah. And fifty one and forty nine on the tickets is it. And I just say that to wondering who's get like the, how the how the game will be ref tomorrow and everything too. How physical? How physical these games? The fouls were a big story in game one, and I think it was just the physicality that Miami really wasn't ready for from Denver. I don't think that they. It, Denver is just such a more physically imposing team. That, and it, it kind of worked itself way out in game two. I'm just interested to see what kind of game we have. The pace, the fouls with a game yeah. three with, this, with just so these teams so evenly matched. I think they're going to have answers for each other. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an interesting atmosphere. But clearly everybody else agrees with us. Like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? It, <laughs> it's right it feels like the books, the books are favoring Miami a little bit because you look game yeah. one, Nuggets favored by nine, I think nine and a half. Game two, Despite the Nuggets kind of dominating the heat, the line moved in Miami's favor to like eight, eight and a half. And yeah. now you look and the Heat are, you know, there's, you know, there's still dogs at home, but it's a little more respectable. Where I think if you know the Nuggets had won Game Two or look, the Heat didn't really have the fourth quarter they did, I could see Heat being yeah. five, five point dogs. Because even when they played the Celtics, the Heat were still, you know, dogs at home, and they were. They were pretty big dogs on the road. So it, it's the books kind of being like, you know what? Like, maybe we got to start respecting this Miami Heat, For too. Real, I think yeah. everybody in, who is fans of the NBA is learning as we go through these playoffs. They're like, I can't doubt the Heat anymore. I got to just respect them and see what happens. Because Even, on paper, they were worse than maybe every team, maybe besides the Knicks that they went up against in the playoffs on paper. Maybe even the Knicks have a better, you know, roster. You can make the argument either way there. But I, uh, they, they proved everybody wrong in three straight series. So even Vegas is getting tricked by the zombie heat. They, I know, I, man. They just won't die, dude. This team won't go away. I bet anything on that. I'm just gonna bet heat money line because there's like no, like it's just like you might as fucking well, right? Like yeah. at this point, just keep riding with them. It's right. it's insane though. And I uh, think they split. I think they split the, the two home games. For they're, gro- they're going seven, right? Uh, like we're getting we're getting seven out of this. I really think that. Yeah, I think the I'm, Nuggets think are I'm, too good to lose three straight, and the yep. Heat aren't losing both of Miami. That's how I, I, think, I feel. I think I'm sticking to my guns that uh, Denver and six. Okay, but I'm still going we'll seven see. Denver, but I'm still going seven. I think my Denver last uh, same Denver, my last yeah. thought here. Do you guys think we have a like a Jokic brothers sighting in Miami. I know, I know they've been in Denver. I don't know if they're even going to go to Miami. But the Jokic like brothers. Ooh. I, I feel like this is where it could get testy. They go to well, Miami. I was wondering what's there's going to be some crazy celebrities that this there this week too. Wednesday yeah, might be yeah. good, but Friday night in Miami NBA Finals, it's going to be it's going to be lit there. It's going to yeah. be crazy. Um, Jokic brothers starting some shit. Yeah, I that that definitely could happen. I feel like it has to happen in the Miami. If they if they're in Miami, I feel like that's where it has to happen. They gotta go. Also, if it. if if anyone out there hasn't, or if you guys haven't listened to uh, Michael Malone's interview on part of my take, oh yeah, his little blurb about the Jokic brothers was awesome. Um, 
So if, if you guys haven't listened to that, go go listen to that. That was great. But I, yeah, I, I want these guys to get in the mix, dude. That, mm-hmm. Especially with the history between these two teams. I also I'm dying to find out. I'm sure I could if I watch the video enough times. But you guys see how Jimmy Butler said before the series started that during that whole scuffle when Jokic um, hit Markeith Morris to the mm-hmm. ground and then the teams almost fought. Jimmy said that his gestures to someone meet him out back, those were not for Jokic and they were someone else on the Denver team. Really? I've still yet to figure out who, who he was talking about. Interesting. So maybe that will come to light in Miami. Uh, yeah, we could we could see a little a little physical game in Miami, right? A yeah. little a little scrappy I game. We, yeah, we haven't really had enough bad blood no, yet. And like three and four been. now. Like the the, yeah. the tension now is raised. Like the, there's a level that just got raised after you get a tie series oh. going to game three and four. Like whew, it's yeah, no it's altitude be... here, dude. They have a little more breath to fool around. No more with, breath. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. It's it. gonna be this... crazy. Hey, Miami's a great finals atmosphere too. We because we didn't get to see, obviously didn't see it during the bubble, so we get to see it for the first time since since the Heat and... days back then. Like it's gonna be rocking there, and uh, the the Panthers too this weekend. Yes, Back and, and I was gonna I was gonna say it's it's funny because I agree with you that the Miami has a great finals atmosphere, but they have to they must be the biggest discrepancy from. Uh, regular season game oh, to yeah. finals or playoff oh. in general because there is no one there in the regular season. No, <laughs> they're meant for the NBA finals. Like yeah. you should, they could and just have like neutral site finals, finals games in Miami and it'd be great. But you, you put a game in February against the Hornets <laughs> and <oof. laughs> you do some homework. Yeah, Alonzo Morning and Pat Riley have eight rows to themselves from Massacres. <laughs> That's really but, why they um, sit in the crowd. They're like, well, no one else is here, so we yeah, might as well just bring them out. <laughs> we pay for them. And I don't blame – this is no hate to anybody. Like, I I always understand. Why would you go to these games? Go to the beach, bro. Why are you yeah. sitting inside? Finals, yeah, wake me up when it's the playoffs. Then I'll come, then I'll come inside. <laughs> all right. Any, any closing thoughts from you guys? We got game three tomorrow. I think all of us are still on the Nuggets. Or, Jake, have you flip-flopped? Are you on the Heat? For the series? For the se- no, series, I'm yeah. still on the Nuggets. Okay. It's Nuggets in seven, okay. but I think the Heat might I think the Heat might win tomorrow. All right. I got Denver tomorrow. I think I think bounce back. Steve, who you got tomorrow? I think I think I'm gonna go with uh I think I'm gonna go with Denver too. Um I'm, I'm right. gonna go with Denver too. I the Heat played Almost a near perfect game, shooting wise, especially in the fourth quarter. And like you said, Dunny, Denver still had a shot. It was still a three point game. Yeah. It's just this team's too talented. You have to have so much go right against you when you play. And I just feel like this is just going to be a trading game series. I really do. I just, the way these teams are, the way they've been all playoffs. So mm-hmm. I'll take Denver tomorrow, and I'm still Denver in seven. Sweet. All right. You guys heard it. Follow Trainwreck Sports. Uh, go check them out. Follow them on Twitter at Trainwreck Sports without the O. Um, follow the three of us. Follow Happy Hour Hoops One on all social media. Keep up with us through the NBA Finals. And we will see you guys next week. Enjoy the game. Let's go, Nuggets. Peace. <laughs>